Amen. Luke chapter 10, page 1613, if you're using the Pew Bible in front of you. Luke chapter 10. There's five verses that we're considering today as we dive back into the Gospel of Luke. Wonderful passage for us to consider this morning. Luke 10, 38 through 42. God's word given to his people for our good. Let us give it our attention to its reading. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. Amen. Not now, I'm busy. All of us have heard that said at some point or another in our lives. Not now, I'm busy. And we don't like to hear that. We hear it probably often when we're young children and throughout our lives at various points. We don't like hearing that because uh, when we hear someone say that to us, what they are saying is what they are doing is more important than what you want them to do. Not now. I'm busy. That reminds us that in our lives, we we order things in terms of importance. One of the most important things that we do on a day-to-day basis is, of course, our daily responsibilities, whether that be our jobs at home or our jobs in the workplace. That's a very important thing to do. Reminded of that even as we, we sang that psalm together, God, because of you, because of your grace, because of your son, establish the work of our hands. It's all established in you. What we learn from this passage, though, is that hearing the teaching and the preaching of God's word gives us the ultimate reason to be able to say to all other things, in all other situations, not now, I'm busy. Not now, I'm busy. Simply sitting and hearing and receiving the word of God. As we see in this passage, in this story, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that's the primary place where a disciple of Jesus is to be found sitting at his feet and receiving his words. And at that time, to all other things, we say, not now, I'm busy. As we turn to this passage, we begin in verse 38. Jesus and his disciples are on the move. They come to a village, the village of Bethany. We know that Mary and Martha live there from John chapter 11. These are the two sisters of Lazarus, the man whom Jesus raises from the dead in the Gospel of John. And it's probably fairly easy to conclude that this is not that time that Jesus is in Bethany. This is a, a separate visit, probably before the raising of Lazarus, but Bethany would be just to the east of Jerusalem. 
And we read in verse 38 that Martha uh, opens her home to Jesus. So here we learn that Martha, for some reason or another, is the head of the household. It could be because she is a widow. She has inherited this house from her husband who is deceased, possibly because she is the oldest sibling. Either way, we read that Martha opens her home to Jesus. There's a couple things we take note of there. The first is Mediterranean hospitality, which is a very important thing in that age, in that time, and in that place of the world. We've considered this a couple times in our time in the Gospel of Luke. People would travel from town to town and they would be dependent on other people opening their homes to them. And particularly teachers uh, would go from place to place and oftentimes what they would try to do is they would try to find the best situation for lodging. So sometimes they would go to one house and then realize somebody with a nicer place offers uh, them to stay there so they would change. It's kind of the way that Mediterranean hospitality would work in that world and in that time. Very important to their way of life. But then we're also reminded that in in the kingdom of God, Jesus and his disciples, they're going from place to place and they're operating by a few different principles. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples, don't go from place to place. Don't try to find uh, the best lodging. Rather, find a home that accepts you and stay there. And that's what we have here uh, with Mary and Martha. Martha has opened her home to Jesus And it's not just that she has opened her home. That is one thing that tells us, we learned from earlier in chapter 10, that if somebody opens their home to Jesus or the disciples of Jesus, that is not only accepting them, that is accepting the message of Jesus. And so Martha is singled out for us here in the story as a follower, a follower of Jesus. It's important to keep that in mind because Jesus is going to give Martha a gentle rebuke. It's important to understand that Uh, We need to still see her as a follower of Jesus. That's one thing, uh, a few things then to keep in mind regarding uh, regarding hospitality and how it weaves into this story. That brings us to Martha's sister, who is introduced to us as Mary. We read in verse 39 that she is at the Lord's feet as she listens to him. This is a very important posture in the Gospel of Luke. It's a it's a place where we find the followers of Jesus to be at his feet. Remember in chapter 8 where there's a Pharisee who hosts a big dinner banquet and there is a woman who comes and she's crying and anointing the feet of Jesus, staying there at his feet because she reveres him, because she's worshiping him, right? We read of Jairus, the, the Roman military officer whose daughter is raised from the dead and when he first sees Jesus, he falls at his feet. In worship. We read also of the, the demoniac who is possessed by a legion of demons and people are struck with great fear because, uh, because the work of Jesus restores him to his correct mind and they find him sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his words. So Luke has this pop up for us several times in his gospel to show us that this is where a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus is to be at his feet. So Mary is presented to us as that kind of follower. She is in a posture of receiving from the Lord, isn't she? Receiving from the Lord. Who are those who follow Jesus? Those who listen to him. Those who receive what he says. The desire of Mary's heart is clear. To be with Jesus, her Lord. For that is where she has found 
life. And in the rest of this story, we will see that nothing in this world, nothing that this world can offer will surpass the importance of a follower of Jesus being at his feet and listening to his words. And that question will be put to us, brothers and sisters. Do we understand that uh, we need to be in this same posture as a follower of Jesus, receiving his words and finding our life there. That is where it begins for us, and that is a place where, uh, from which a Christian never moves. Receiving the word of God. Receiving the word of God. And in a sense, being there at the feet of our Savior. Receiving whatever he would have for us. Martha we read, uh, has some difficulty, though, relative to all these things that are going on. We know that being at the feet of Jesus is a good thing from all of the Gospel of Luke, but this demand that Martha will put to Jesus will, in a sense, test the importance of being at his feet and receiving his word. How important is that? That's what will unfold before us today. We see that Martha was distracted She was distracted. With what was she distracted? She's concerned with hospitality, with making sure that everyone's needs are met in terms of food and drink and comfort. It's possible, though the text does not tell us for sure, but it's possible that Martha was also sitting by Jesus, hearing what he had to say, receiving all of his words, but then pulls away in order to address all of the needs that need to be done in the house. And when she sees that Mary continues to sit at the feet of Jesus, when she continues to receive his teaching and listen, listen to what he says, we have her asking Jesus to come to her defense, to rebuke Mary for ignoring all of the things that need to be done and for not helping her. What's going on here? Well, Martha is looking at all of her responsibilities, all of the duties around the house, And she's looking at Jesus and all of his teaching and the people are listening to what he's saying and she's she's making a decision, isn't she? Not now, I'm busy. Not now, I'm busy. She needs to go and address all of these things that need to be done. She's using, uh, deciding how to use her time based upon really a couple main things, but the main thing would probably be the cultural expectations upon women in those days. Now, women who were very wealthy and had a lot of servants around the house wouldn't need to worry about this as much. But for the normal average person, a lot of these responsibilities in terms of hospitality would fall upon the women. Certainly, we live in a different world, but still we see a lot of the same things and we can at least relate. So let us put ourselves in Martha's shoes. She hears Jesus start to teach. She has accepted his message as authoritative. Remember, welcomed Jesus into her home. So we know that she is a follower of Jesus. She calls him Lord when she addresses him. In John chapter 11, we see that Martha believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the one through whom the people of God will experience resurrection. So she is a follower. I'm not talking about someone who has no regard for what Jesus is saying. But her mind cannot be taken off of all the things that she needs to do, right? The roast needs to be checked. The salad needs to be dressed. The plates and the forks aren't even set out yet, right? That's not exactly what she would have thought, but that's sort of a modernized version, right? All of these responsibilities around the house that I need to get to. 
So are Martha's intentions good? Martha being pulled away from the teaching of Jesus. Are her intentions good? Well, sure they are. It's not a bad thing to serve. And in the Gospel of Luke, eating and drinking together is a very important thing. It's a theme that we find all throughout Luke. The people of God uh, dining together. Not only in reality, but also in the parables that Jesus tells. This is an important thing. So Martha's intentions are good. Not only that, but she's fulfilling the duties and the responsibilities that would have been foisted upon her. And upon most women at that time. They provide food and take care of all of the hospitality affairs. The home is the woman's domain. So the the demand that she puts to Jesus in many ways, is a challenge as to the importance of hearing the word of God. Of hearing the word of God. Because what we learn is that what Mary is doing, while it puts these other responsibilities to the side, which are in fact real, it is a fulfilling of her primary duties as a disciple of Jesus. That's what Mary is doing. Her primary responsibility as a follower of Jesus to be at his feet And to listen to his words. Anyone who hears and receives the words and teachings of her Lord fulfills primary duties as a follower of Jesus. Jesus' repetition of Martha's name when he says to her, Martha, Martha, shows both a gentleness and a seriousness in terms of uh, addressing her concerns. He wants to be gentle. He wants to be loving. But he also is serious. So he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried, you're anxious about many things, but only one thing is necessary. What are the many things she is anxious about? Doing what is expected of her. Now, in many ways, we we relate to this and we respect Martha for that, right? Know your job, understand your job, and do your job. Just get it done. Take responsibility and get it done. Jesus says you're you're anxious about all of these things. Only one thing is needed. Only one thing is necessary. Now, when you immerse yourself in the, the study of God's word and try to familiarize yourself with what many people will say about a certain passage, sometimes you come across uh, some pretty silly things. And so this week I was researching this, thinking about this, and there are some people who believe that when Jesus says only one thing is necessary, what he's talking about is the meal. So it's, it's as if he's saying to Martha, Martha, you're worried about putting on this big banquet for us, but really we only need one thing. So don't worry about all the side dishes, just give us the roast, we'll scarf that down, consume some calories and be on our way, right? But that's, that's definitely not what Jesus is talking about when he says, One thing is necessary. When he's saying one thing is necessary, he's talking about what it means to be a disciple and a follower of our Lord. The Lord of Lords. Being a part of his kingdom and understanding that the only God of the universe is now reigning through his son Jesus. And how we are a disciple. What is our primary place as a disciple of Jesus? What is it that a follower of Jesus does? Look at Mary. She sits at the feet of her Lord, and she listens to his words. A disciple places in the place of utmost importance, of greatest importance, hearing the words of her Lord. Martha occupies herself with what any normal person would expect of her. She's doing doing what ought to be done. 
But when asked to address the situation, Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen the best portion. And this is the crux of the issue at hand for us to consider this morning, brothers and sisters. The practical affairs of life, eating and drinking, cultural expectations that are placed upon the people of that world and the people of our world, all of our responsibilities at home and work, all of these things are good. They are good things. But when compared with being a part of Christ's kingdom, when compared with our primary responsibility as a follower of the Savior, the Lord of Lords, it does not compare. Martha's demand on Jesus comes her thinking that nothing could possibly be more important than addressing all of these needs that people have, what they will eat, what they will drink. Jesus tells her, what's more important than that is your responsibility as a disciple, to be found in that primary place, sitting at the feet of Jesus and receiving his word. So it's not a duty that has us running all over the house. It's not a duty that has us making preparations or going to the store or ironing napkins or swinging a hammer. No, being a disciple of Jesus, the primary place is simply sitting. Sitting and listening and receiving the words that are proclaimed. To bring this to our own lives, then, we think about Martha. And we see how easy it is to allow the responsibilities of the things in our lives, the things in front of us, to draw us away from what Jesus calls what is better, what is the best portion. But the point of this story is that we would be reminded that nothing can replace the importance of hearing the teaching and the preaching of God's word in our lives. In practice, we, we, because of God's law, we take great joy in knowing that he has commanded us to set aside a day of the week for rest. But we use that day of rest for what? Primarily to gather around the word of God. Because as disciples, we are called to be in the same place that Mary is here. See, this is the great mystery that God has instituted for us, that in the church, the proclamation, the teaching of the word of God, there we would find when it's done faithfully, when God's word is opened and unpacked for us, there we would find the grace and the blessing of God that his disciples would grow. That they would grow in knowledge, that they would grow in grace, that they would grow in the fruits of the Spirit, all of these things. This is where we are to be, receiving the word. This is the one thing that's necessary for Mary, for us, Because it is the power of the word of God from beginning to end of our life in Christ. See, if God has spoken, this is one of these things we need to consider, isn't it? If God has spoken, and if he has spoken to us in his word, it frames all of our expectations about what we will find in his word. All of the expectations about how important it is to hear from his word and to learn about what God has revealed to us in his word. Sitting and learning as if we were at the feet of the Savior. So what might we conclude from all of these things? Well, first is fairly obvious, isn't it? The first is that we see the necessity, the centrality of the word of God in the life of the disciples of Jesus. This goes for us, as well as it goes for Mary and Martha. The word of God is central. 
opening it up, seeing what it says. The grass withers, the flower fades, God's word endures forever. God's command to his pupil, Timothy, says, this is what I charge you to do in the presence of God. At all times, in all seasons, preach the word. Use it for all of its intended purposes, to build up, to edify, to encourage, to comfort, but also to correct, to rebuke. The word of God is to be central. God has spoken, and his word is living and active, isn't it? It's not a dead book. It's a living book, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut to our hearts, able to form us, to break us down and build us back up. It is living and active. What makes God's word living and active? The Holy Spirit carrying out the decreed will of God relative to God's word. My word will not return to me empty. It will not return void. It will go out, the Lord says, and it will accomplish all of its purposes. Because the Holy Spirit abides with the word of God and attends to it. It's a living book. We ought to be thankful that we have it so readily at our disposal. Most Christians in the history of the church did not have a copy of the Bible in their possession. Some of them would have fragments of it. Some of them would have perhaps one book or a few of the Psalms and the Gospel of John. Most of us have a dozen Bibles throughout our house, perhaps even more. We need to be very joyful that we have it at our disposal. It's also important, however, to see relative to this story that the primary way a disciple receives the word is through hearing. We are a hearing church. And this is one of the great truths that was recovered at the time of the Reformation. The time of the Reformation, people went to church to see the Mass. They went to see something. But then, the the, the glories, the truth of the Gospel is, is once again revived, and people go to church to hear the Word of God opened up and explained. Faith comes by hearing, hearing through the Word of Christ. We are a hearing church, a hearing people. That God has ordained that we would hear something come from outside of us. The Holy Spirit would attend to that and use that to shape and to form us. That is how God ordinarily feeds his people through the food of his word. This is why the pastors and the teachers of the church read in Ephesians chapter 4. Christ ascends on high. He gives gifts to his people. This is why pastors are to be primarily concerned with administering the word of God to the people of God. A perfect example of this is in Acts chapter 6, where the apostles are being drawn away from their time in the word of God and prayer, and this was so unsatisfactory to them that as they're guided along by the Holy Spirit, there is another office that's created in the church, the office of deacon that could be primarily concerned with meeting all of the needs of the people of God, food and shelter, clothing, those who do not have enough to care for themselves. The the office of deacon was created if you read Acts chapter 6, so that the apostles, and later on the elders of the church, could be concerned with the ministry of the word and prayer. And so that office of deacon is, in, is endowed with honor and dignity. And their primary responsibilities are so that the others could commit themselves to the, to the ministry of the word. This is why we need to be so thankful for deacons who know their responsibilities and who carry them out. And what a wonderful blessing it is that we have them here. So, the importance of being a disciple, being at the feet of Jesus, receiving the word, the centrality of the word of God, the proclamation of the word of God. We'd also be remiss if we did not point out that the two main players in this story, other than Jesus, are women. 
Perhaps what Jesus says would be well and good if it were directed towards men. But what Jesus says to Martha shows us that women are every bit as welcomed as disciples of Jesus as men. Women are called to be disciples of Jesus and learning, and learning about what the Word of God says. Every bit a disciple of Jesus as the men. The teaching and preaching of the Word is not a time where women are to be dismissed. It certainly is true, isn't it, that we know in all of our lives, you can attest to this, that women are not less capable of grasping great spiritual truths. In that time, it would have been likely that in times of teaching, that many of the women would have uh, dismissed themselves in order to take care of all of these things. Who's going to bake the bread? Who's going to get all of the meat ready? But Jesus here teaches us that women are every bit as welcomed as disciples, as men. Now, many people will say that this shows that uh, women and men are to have the exact same roles in the church. We need to be careful to say that this is not what Jesus is saying. We need to be able to distinguish between saying men and women have the exact same value as disciples of Jesus, and yet at the same time, men and women have different roles in the church. And this is how we can really recapture imaginations on this issue. That Jesus says, of course, men and women have the same exact value. And they are both called to be disciples. And they're both called to learn and to grow in their knowledge of the Savior and their knowledge of the Word of God. And yet within that unity, God still maintains that there is difference in gender roles. Full disciples and partnering in the work of God, partnering in the life of the church, and not being an officer in the church does not mean that you have less value. Right? There are many men who are in the church who are not an elder or a deacon. It does not mean they are less valuable in the sight of God. So the wonderful teaching by Jesus to show us that women, just as well as men, welcomed as disciples and followers. We, we think perhaps of, of Luke chapter 8 where we read of women who were accompanying Jesus and the disciples. And many of these women came from means. Right? There's Mary Magdalene and there's others some of whom came from means who were able to provide for Jesus and the disciples, to buy them food and to provide for them along their way. They were partnering in the work of Jesus, partnering in the work and the life of God's people. And so mentioning that they have a role to play and work to do leads us to the last conclusion that we will make this morning. Because even though the primary posture of a disciple is hearing and receiving Those who really hear and receive the word of God are not hearers only, are they? They are not hearers only. Back in chapter 8, the the parable of the sower in the gospel of Luke. Who are those who are described as having true spiritual life? It is those who hear the word. Remember, the seed is planted. The seed is the word of God. The seed takes root and it sprouts up and it grows what? It bears fruits. James says in his epistle to not be hearers only of the word, but doers of the word. So then how do we square with what Jesus says here? He says one thing is necessary, one thing is needed. Well, it goes back to what it means to whether or not we believe that God has spoken and whether or not we believe that God has spoken in his word. You see, The primary place of a disciple is hearing and receiving the word of God because it is only there that we will experience the power to be built up into being a doer of the word. The proclaiming of the word of God, not the ideas of men. 
not the inventions of men, the word of God proclaimed and taught and explained. That's where a disciple stays because it is there that the Spirit gives the power that we might become not only hearers but doers of the word. This is the foundational piece of being one who first hears the word of God and because of the power that is found there becomes a doer. Creates in us that ability to bring about the fruits of the Spirit and the works of righteousness. So come and sit a while. This is not a time for God's people to be busy about their work, to serve. This is especially not a time for us to be drawn away by the practical affairs of our lives. This is the time to focus on Christ and to focus on his kingdom. This is the time to remember what Christ has done to make you a disciple. This is the time to come and rest. For if we do not rest here, brothers and sisters, if we do not rest here, we will not rest anywhere in this world. Other than what God promises to be for us, other than what he has said he has given to us in Christ, all other things in this world will at one time or another let us down. Mary here in this passage chooses the good portion, the best portion, for she chose that which brings her nearer to her creator and her redeemer. In Psalm 73, we read exactly the same mentality which says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 16, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. When we hear the word, we hear it proclaimed and opened and explained. We hear of that beautiful inheritance. And may we never take that privilege away from ourselves or from anyone else. Not now. I'm busy. Sit, receive, hear, and rest. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we desire to, to know, to know you, our great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Father, we are, are not adequate to this task, and so we thank you that you have given to your people proclamation and preaching and teaching and hearing, assembling to remember what you have done so that you may form us, build us up, And send us out. We remember as we have sung, establish the work of our hands. It is you. It is you who need to do it. It is you who need to give us the grace that we may go, that we may be a light, that we may serve you faithfully. We cannot do it without you. We need your grace. We need your love. We need your power. We thank you for your spirit which attends to the reading of your word, to the teaching of your word. And we thank you that... uh, that the spirit there remains so closely connected to the word of God. And we pray that from this we would see that seed planted and fruit would grow, the fruit of the spirit, all for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.